Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Imagine my, uh, imagine all of our reactions, just enjoying the moment after Cider wins the Calder, all the content that's coming through, obviously the, the, the Red Wings social media, uh, video graphics team, all of them have like built this up over time waiting for this moment and they've been putting it out and it's just so excellent. And then I see the video and I was like, oh yeah, like this is the stuff. <laughs> oh, and you start the video. <laughs> you were you were that Richard Sherman meme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and look, I got to preface this by saying, genuinely, we loved it. We were in the group chat laughing hysterically. Like, amazing. It, it's an incredible video. And exactly what should be put out about Moritz Sider, considering the path he's had from, like, shocking the world sixth overall pick to winning the calder in a landslide but that video starting off in the bottom left corner with you was it you face palming and me rubbing my temples and pushing the hat off my head someone I'm was so <laughs> glad i was not there for that. <laughs> yeah someone was like evan not being there having the plausible deniability is that was a that was a long term i would have never you. let you to be memed like that <laughs> well you let us down evan let me tell you that that's right anyways um <laughs> It was it was actually a good video because it wasn't like just us. It was, you know, Red Wings fandom and people slowly coming around on just how good Moritz Sider is. Um really great demonstration of just like his journey so far and all of our all of us recognizing how wrong we were and smartening up. I think they also had a clip in there and it was Steve Eiserman being something he said something like I know a lot of our fans won't know who he is, but just watch his, his videos and yeah. I think you'll like him pretty quick and he was 200% correct. But I remember at the time when Eisenman said that, we're like, Steve, there isn't a lot of tape on him. That's why we're all confused. Well, he said, like, <laughs> Google him, watch, you'll see. And again, he wasn't wrong, but no, yeah. The reason everyone. It's too late. I'm blinded by rage. <laughs> <laughs> the reason everyone was caught out was because, yeah, it was just kind of out of left, left field in terms of like that high of a pick. Anyways, we're going to talk about that more. Uh, this is the Moritz Sider celebration. Uh, of his Rookie of the Year accolades. The Calder winner, as was expected and as was deserved. Man, it feels good. This is like the best feeling as a Red Wings fan in terms of like accomplishments that we've had. I would honestly say since 2013 when they had a shot at the cup. I don't know if I'm exaggerating by saying that. At the time, it felt like it. In hindsight. <laughs> in Oh, in hindsight, yeah. In hindsight, terrible, terrible tragedy. If the Red Wings had won a Stanley Cup with third-line center Joachim Anderson, it would have been the greatest feat in modern sports history. We were one Danny DeKaiser thumb injury away from that possibility, <laughs> that being a possibility. Anyhow, uh, here to just bask in the glory uh, of, of Cider's Calder win. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk to you about Red Wings hockey, uh, the NHL, and the world of hockey. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we'll break down uh, exactly how Cider's Calder win shook out, uh, our favorite moments from him this season, um, some actually charming moments with the uh, the Red Wings going there to surprise him, what's in store for the future uh, for Cider, etc. Uh, some small Red Wings news before jumping into a prospect profile that's another revisit. So we are getting down to the nitty gritty here and we're talking about the most likely candidates for the Red Wings at eighth overall. Um, 
without getting too firm because we know anything can happen as is the theme three years later with this episode. You know, it's all said done. We'll have revisited five or six guys. So you can absolutely cross those five or six guys off Eisman's list. It'll be the seventh. It'll be the seventh guy. Uh, we'll be talking about some news across the NHL, including the other awards, uh, taking a final look uh, for the season at some betting odds before heading into overtime. Before that, folks, Wings Money on the Board has officially reached over $30,000. You crushed our stretch goal. It was within minutes of Cider's Calder wins. The donations started to come in. The pledges cashed, and we uh, passed that $30,000 stretch goal. So thank you all so much uh, from us, from Prashanth Iyer, who helped us run Wings Money on the board this season, from the Jamie Daniels Foundation, uh, from Ken. Like It it means the world, and we're, we never fail to be blown away by how amazing this community is. So thank you, thank you, thank you very much for that. Uh, and more to come uh, in the future for things that are a little bit of a bonus. So the uh, the flannels will be contributing to the Jamie Daniels Foundation as well as some other initiatives. So stay tuned and thank you again. Okay, Calder Trophy Calder Trophy voting. It was nice that they did it did it at the beginning of the award show. That was uh, they it's didn't. Nice when you don't have to hang around the whole night. You just the whole thing was relatively short. Like they kept it really brief. Thank God. I feel like they did that because they had players there, you know, who were playing. Yeah, that makes sense. And they were like, McCarr and Hedman are here. They need to go. Yeah. Um, but it was it was toward the beginning of the show, and it was announced, and Sider's ex- acceptance speech was so funny. Like, uh, I didn't prepare a speech, so just going just gonna to wing it. <laughs> Hope I don't mess it up too bad. The little quip about his parents. He's like, yeah, they're not here. They just got back from Croatia. Apparently, it was more important to go on vacation. <laughs> the kid's hysterical. Oh, he's legitimately got such a perfect personality to be a star in the NHL. You can put the camera on him at any point and get good content. And because he's an actual star-level hockey player, they're going to be doing that a lot. So, it's a win-win. No, no. We'll try and squeeze the personality out of Connor McDavid. It's like bleeding a rock that's already been bled. Yeah. The most interesting thing to come out personally about Connor mcdavid is a scandal about him and his partner like there's not that that just let's appreciate Connor mcdavid on the ice find a way to to advertise that but yeah before we get back to my funny small aside to that one oh boy uh, no it's it's funny because with a lot of nhl players and and every time this gets brought up about mcdavid it always reminds me of um the one time i was working uh helping upper deck at the nhl rookie showcase and the players would travel around in groups of four. And I think the one group was McDavid, Marner, Fabry, and Dylan Strom. All ended up being the same caliber of player. Exactly. Um, and when the cameras were off, they were just like every other 18 year old kid, loud, mouthy, like to each other, not they, yeah. they were respectful to the employees and everybody working around them. But McDavid had a personality. He was loud. He was telling Mitch Marner to go F himself in bubble hockey. And then this, like the second the camera went on, it was like you powered down a robot. Like you could just see it. Like that kid had been trained for the camera since he was two years old. That's how he makes his money. Yep. Stay out of trouble. Don't say, if you don't say anything, you can't get in trouble for what you yeah, say. That's true. So if anybody says, oh no, it's not the hockey, it's not the media. The hockey players are just like that. No, it it's absolutely 
the culture, the media. But thank God Mo hasn't been ruined by that yet. Yeah, Mo is, uh, people have uh, often said, like, if you know Mo off the ice, he's this goofy, like, fun-loving dude. But on the ice, he's an absolute menace. And, like, that's all we've seen so far. So, exactly it's advertised uh really nice acceptance speech from him nice for him to take a moment to thank the city of detroit and, and red wings fans of course it's all basic stuff but you you look at mo you look at the fact that steve eisenman and chris illich uh flew uh dylan larkin and themselves down to surprise mo to be there and you just you see the message that all the red wings players sent to mo where like it ended with dylan larkin saying i love you and they all called him momo i was like Am I emotional? <laughs> it like that guy's well, that a, that video sent us on a roller coaster in a lot of ways. For which we'll get reasons. we'll get to yeah, just like a consummate Red Wing, and you know that guy's a fit. You understand more and more about why they drafted him, aside from being a phenomenal defenseman. So, Cider ended up taking the Calder Trophy in a landslide. He had a hundred and seventy of a possible what was it, hundred and ninety five first place votes. Um, uh, one in total, totaling up the points you get for first through fifth place votes, he had 1,853 points. Trevor Zegras, a distant second at 1,191. Michael Bunting, uh, third with 877. And Lucas Raymond, fourth with 499. So Cider was the runaway favorite. People can have whatever narrative they want, but it was one of the easiest awards to, to vote on all night. In my mind, like almost as automatic as Shesterkin for Vesna. Simple as. So that said, what a ride from Moritz Sider. We joked about it at the beginning, but again, being a shock sixth overall pick where the Red Wings acknowledged that they would have liked to have had him later, but they knew Edmonton wanted him where they took Broberg and the teams between them and Edmonton weren't looking to trade really. So it was one team. It was Buffalo. Right. Um, or if you wanted to go further back, they weren't looking to trade and it was a risk. So, you just had to take your guy and they ended up taking a largely underscouted both within the NHL and, you know, beyond within the media world, Moritz Sider out of the DEL. He was shocked. If you remember the picture of him, like covering his, there face. was an audible gasp. Oh in yeah. The arena. Oh yeah. Um, he was as surprised as everyone else was. And here we are with talking about Moritz Sider as an automatic Calder trophy winner. Dramatic to say this guy's going to win a Norris before the end of his career oh uh, more likely than not more likely than not dramatic or more likely than than not no more likely than not he's going to yeah yeah the only the only thing truly working against him for that norris is he's going to be going head to head with kale mccarr for 75 percent of his career at least adam fox well good thing about the norris is eventually you win it just for showing up yeah yeah pretty much he's due the Norris, McCarr, if McCarr wins it five years in a row, Sider's getting it in the six because he'll be due. The Norris is very much a like, it's kind of like the Oscars. They finally give it to an actor because he's been going forever. Unless you're Willem Dafoe. Oh, yeah. No kidding. The Leo got it for not his best role. I would agree with you. Yeah. Like uh, a lot of people would argue, and I don't think unfairly necessarily, that Lidstrom's last Norris was a makeup for all the other ones that he absolutely should have had. Um, I'm okay with that. Oh, so same biased but as long same. as it's not like if it, it's happening against the red wings that's terrible then objectively bad yeah, yeah how dare they yeah so cider with with such a phenomenal rookie season what does that mean for his future because there are a couple different factors here one there's going to be a contract uh and two 
he is the face of this franchise moving forward. You know, Dylan Larkin, of course, is the captain in the face of the forwards. Lucas Raymond is also a phenomenal rookie who's going to, you know, break down barriers and um, push that forward group forward in a way that you haven't seen, we haven't seen in years. But right now, this is more at Cider's team. And when fans across the NHL think of the Red Wings, they're going to think of Cider. Yeah. um, Like we've already mentioned, he's got the personality for it. As to what this trophy means for Cider going forward, well, I think from Moe's and Stevie's standpoint, not a damn thing. I, the I think they both know his, their his performance speaks for itself. I think Moe is happy to win the award, but he strikes me as the type of guy who does not give a shit. He's got his eye on one trophy and one trophy only. Um, I think when it comes to negotiating, Stevie's going to have his line no matter what is behind uh, Cider off the ice. Um, and it's the right mentality for both of them to take. And, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, boring old hockey man talk, but I think it's true for both of them. I think they everybody has that attitude. And I, I think Cider goes, that's nice. We haven't made it to the playoffs yet. Don't care. He actually did kind of say something like that. They asked him, they're like, well, are you, what do you think about like being the favorite for the Calder trophy? And he essentially said, I don't care. Like they're in the middle of the season. The season was lost. They had like 15 yeah. games left. It was a disaster by that point, but he was Cider disrespects the <laughs> NHL trophy. Question mark, question mark. Be in the Toronto sun. No doubt. hundred percent. Yeah. But he was, he was like, I care about winning. I care about getting better in reality. Like we can talk about how the, how great it feels and you know all the pomp and excitement about him winning the the calder and to, to have a a calder trophy winner for the first time since what was it 64 65 roger crozier in 1965 yeah yeah that calder trophy was more for us as fans than it was for mo honestly like well, it, it really was yeah it it sounds stupid it sounds selfish it sounds self-righteous but legitimately that's how good top level athletes feel and it's not just a trait that's unique to most cider. You think Michael Jordan cared about any of his MVPs. You think Sidney Crosby cared about any of his MVPs. No, they got the rings, so they don't care about that. The point I'm getting to here is not too long ago. Um, we had a conversation about cider's contract. I don't think you were here, Evan and Brad, you said a number like 9.5. Like if it stays south of 10, that's still good. Yeah. And I fought you on that. And then I thought about it the next day and I was like, I'm an idiot. This guy just won an automatic Calder trophy and is going to be signing a contract as a like staple number one defenseman on this team who has shown nothing but success at every level. If they get him in at 9.5, that is still a steal for the Red Wings. Yeah. the I know there's always talk about bridge deals and what's the best value and what's the best value for this team's window. The Red Wings are in a win-lose position right now. Um, the win position is with Cider and Raymond and Edmondson coming up. Once this team gets good, the window is just opening and it should be open for a very long time because the core of this team is going to be very young. So a bridge deal doesn't matter. Get these guys for as cheap for as long as possible. Now, the downside is the longer you sign them for, the more expensive it gets on an AAV at this age. So if you want Mo Cider for eight years on his next contract, which the Red Wings absolutely should do. The only way they should go to a bridge contract is if Mo says, yeah, no, I'm only taking a bridge contract. In which case the number comes down. The number does come down, but then it obviously 
screws up the window a little bit because now you kind of got to really get in all while that contract's cheap. But if they get them at eight years by 10 mil, that's probably going to be in the ballpark. I mean, with the cap going up, especially that's something yeah, to consider. Yeah, because like uh, Kale McCarr got around $9 million. And I think most people would agree, even the most hardcore rings fan, that Kale McCarr is better than most cider. Um, but percentage of cap by the time Moses up and, you know, with the seller cap, once the debt to the owners has been made up, will go up substantially. So, you know, in three years, 10 million could be the same, if not a lower percentage of cap than what Kale McCarr got when he signed his. So, yeah, I, I think Mo's next contract, if they want to max out, could be anywhere from 9 to 11. Yeah, like if the 9.265, if the cap goes up to 85 million, uh, whatever, which is still like it's going to go up beyond that in whatever period of time, 9.265 is the equivalent to what McCarr is making on that cap hit. So you get him at 9.5, you get him at 9 south of nine is would be phenomenal but it's not gonna happen you we have to remember agents and by the way claude lemieux if you did see him there that is more insider's agent so don't be surprised god uh, the timing of this documentary is great i know um is the agents know about this and they are going to angle to do it so we've seen eisenman run a hard negotiation before we're going to see how the larkin and the bertuzzi negotiations go to maybe give us an image i just got i can't i got this image of steve eisenman and claude lemieux just going to war over this contract just because of who they are it'd be funny <laughs> okay um two things first your favorite moment from this season of more outsiders evan you said you already have yours so you go first philadelphia reverse hit oh yeah Oh, yeah, that one was good. That was one of the biggest hits of the year in the NHL. It was so big in slow-mo, it still looked like real time. Like the way yeah. his body snapped back. It was Willman, I think, on Philly. The way his body snapped back, it was it was as if it was at full speed. I hope he's woken up. And it was late in the season. Like it was, He must have been the sixth guy that Moritz Sider had done it notes, to. the game notes, bud. None of them do. I think Mick said something like, they don't learn. <laughs> no. Just watch some tape. No, you go, because I have the definitive best moment i love the buffalo ot goal there's so many hits that i like even the first one uh in dallas i can't remember who he blew up but that one was fantastic every one of the reverse hits so good but the buffalo goal the buffalo ot goal was just like oh man here's another dimension to this guy's game and it's not a fluke like he uses his reach his size his stick handling like that to me was was amazing in his first NHL game, him absolutely clowning Victor Hedman. <laughs> also that. We yeah. learned everything we needed to know about Mo Sider in that very moment. Yeah, that was that was Mo Sider saying, yep, this is, uh, this is what you're going to get from me for the next, my entire career. Yeah. Oh, you're uh, the reigning Norris Trophy winner, Stanley Cup champion. F you, give me that goddamn puck. I don't yeah. even care that the play's over. Yeah. And then two Tampa Bay Lightning players coming over to him and trying to, and he's like, I don't give a shit. Go, I mean, try me. I dare you. Going toe to toe. He went toe to toe with Matthews. He went toe to toe with Crosby. Threw punches at Crosby. That was his first NHL game. Just screwing with the reigning Norris Trophy champion and, oh, sorry, former Norris Trophy champion and, you know, cup winner and just being like, screw you, bud. Um, very quickly before we move on from Cider. The like congratulations video had all the different players and stuff. I had Dominic Hashik in there, which is nice. Uh, Sergey Fedorov was in there. That <laughs> the reaction that got 
They almost shouldn't have put him in there because Sergey got a bitter, bigger reaction than anybody was talking about cider after that video. It, you know when they added that in, they're just smirking to themselves the entire time. They're like, oh yeah, Red Wings fans are going to get a kick out of this one. Is it a sign? Is it a sign? Is this a hint? Please tell me this is a hint. Are we retiring his number? Is he the coach? Is it both? <laughs> Hot take. If it's one, it's both. Uh, okay, some minor news. We'll get back to the awards uh, when we talk about NHL news. Uh, the preliminary roster for the Swedish World Junior team, which is being the World Juniors are being replayed in August, uh, was released. No Lucas Raymond, which shouldn't be a surprise. He didn't go play yeah, the he World Championship. No, ch- no chance. Uh, but Wallander is there. Edvinson is there, and Niederbach is there, as well as some notable you know prospects. So if you think the Red Wings are going to draft, Lakaramaki, yeah, Lakaramaki. If you think that that's who the Red Wings are going to draft, then there's another Red Wings affiliated player. So all in all, uh, before we move to break, just like it is just a good time. I had so many friends message me saying, "How good does it feel to be a Red Wings fan right now?" I'm like. You don't understand. It feels like everyone crawled out of whatever hole that they go to during the off season to come celebrate with each other for 24 hours. And yeah, it was just a brief celebration and it doesn't change this team's trajectory and it doesn't change very much at all. Like you said earlier, Brad, but it's just nice to see like an award win first Calder winner since 65 and he's a Detroit Red Wing. Feels good, man. All right. Uh, we're going to jump to a quick break here. And when we come back, a prospect profile. Before we do that, I want to first let you know that this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, a sponsor that gives hockey fans what we really need, even more excitement in the game. There's so many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. They're simple to use with great odds on different betting markets, giving you more action every game day. Plus, they're tons of fun with unique bet types like same game parlay and exclusive promos on the biggest events. And when you win, you get your winnings back safely in as little as 24 hours. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win that first bet. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get up to $1,000 back in site credit. Now, what we want you to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today to get started with that risk-free bet of up to $1,000 and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. Must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. Okay, we are firmly in who is in the Red Wings range territory, and that means we are looking at players who are either of interest in the 2022 NHL draft at eighth overall, assuming that the Red Wings don't trade the pick away, um, or who are of fans' interest who they hope are taken. So the first one we revisited was Cutter Gauthier, very obviously a player of interest for the Red Wings, um, a centerman who's rocketed up to the rocketed up the board to the point where he probably won't be there for Detroit. He would be considered a fall if he's there for Detroit at eight. And then just recently we did Brad Lambert. And I know some of you um, disagreed on Brad Lambert, but it was a really good discussion from both on air and off. Uh, Cause I think he was a really popular pick and a lot of people are still very high on Brad Lambert. Very smart people. Um, it's all right. Smart people can be wrong too. Look at us with more cider. Oh, I'm smart and right. <laughs> 
Anyhow, the uh, the next up on this list is Marco Casper. He is a, another player who's being pegged as a centerman who is going to be of interest for a lot of different teams. One, because of a premium position, and two, because of maybe an underappreciation of his game. Uh, I'll admit I wasn't terribly high on Casper. Um, been watching. He's one of the players I've been watching the most just kind of rewatching everything that I can and, and trying to understand how he'd project into an NHL lineup. Um, but Marco Casper, who is uh, out of Rogla in Sweden, which Red Wings fans will know, that's where Sider just recently played, um, is probably checking a lot of boxes for the Red Wings. So it's worth us going back and talking about him. So what do you make of Marco Casper at this point, Brad? I feel like the first time we talked about him, I came off as too negative because I, I kind of said, well, he's not as skilled as some of the other options around him. Um, Nazer, Savoy, Kamel, Goche. And that's still true, but he, but it came off as he's not skilled and he is, and he very much is. Um, he doesn't have the highlight reel hands or the highlight reel shot that a lot of these other guys have, but they're not bad. Um, he's a great skater. He's, uh, absolutely sound 200 foot player. Um, and he's, oh man, does this guy have compete? Yeah. Like you, if yeah. you wanted to put what's compete in the hockey dictionary, you, you could put a picture of Marco Casper next to it. Um, and that is absolutely, he can skate and he works his ass off. Like that's Scott Steve Osmond written all over it. If you think, that his hockey IQ and his compete and his skating can translate to offense in the NHL. He is a very, very good candidate for pick eight. It's still an if, but if all the options that were available to the Red Wings at eight didn't come with ifs, they'd go in the top five. They'd go in the top three. They'd be challenging Shane Wright. Yes. With uh, that needs to be played on repeat. Exactly. So we're, there's no sure. The Red Wings are not getting a sure bet at number eight unless like. Slavkovsky, Cooley, or Wright falls. Um, which In terms of forwards. Yeah, it, which isn't going to happen. So there's definitely a good toolkit to work with Casper. He plays the position the Red Wings need. He checks all of Steve Eisenman's quote-unquote boxes that he looks for in a prospect. Um, again, he's not going to have the skill of a Matt Savoy he doesn't have, you know, the hands and the skating, even though it's close of a Frank Nazer. He doesn't have the shot of a Joachim Kamel, but he's not bad at any of those things and he's not really bad at anything. So I don't think he's, as of right now, he's not in my top eight. I doubt he'll end in my top eight, but he's right there so he's he's one of those picks that if the red wings take him i'm more than happy with for me when i talk about or when i think about marco casper i try to look at look at it from two lenses first are the red wings trying to swing to get a top line or you know top two line center let's say top line center swing for the stars you get a guy who overperforms his draft slot which the red wings just had two of them this year with raymond and cider in their rookie season so it's not unheard of uh, and you get a, a first line center or really really good second line center then there are other players there where you think yeah the high-end skill and the things where you can look at their game and you're like you refine their game you you fill out some of the areas that are lacking 
then those are the players you think are more likely to translate. But that said, there's nothing to say that there's going to be that player at eighth overall. Not every draft has that hidden gem at every different point that's going to be within range. And secondly, I kind of feel like I was shortchanging Marco Casper by saying, oh, just because he doesn't have that one elite trait, like Brad was just talking about, that he can't be a top six center for the Red Wings. So let's look at Marco Casper as if, like, just put the notion of getting a number one center out of your head. You're not drafting right. You're not drafting coolly. It's not going to happen. If it does, it's a miracle. Then, yeah, you have a guy who plays an advanced 200-foot game, an extremely mature game. His compete is through the roof. And what do we know about Eisenman in his previous cup winning teams that he's built uh, with the twice and maybe three time Tampa Bay Lightning, depending on what they do, um, what he values, that kind of compete, that drive. He is physical in a way that advances his game. Like that is a toolbox in terms of him getting the puck up the ice or being a sound defender. He's not just out there being a goon and he's not a perimeter player. So projects as a center, or they would hope, like drives the net or gets the puck into high danger areas, doesn't do it using elite hands, but I think he's a really good skater and I think he wins puck battles and I think he's already playing an advanced 200 foot game, which speaks to hockey IQ, at least to some capacity that's above average. You can't hate the pick. Is he my favorite there? I'm still really high on Nazer. I'm still really high on Savoy, although I, I... For Savoy, I think it makes less sense in terms of a centerman. And I think Gauthier has shown more offensive flair that would push them towards Gauthier. But I think it's kind of a toss-up between the two. I I wouldn't say that too confidently. But yeah, Brad, your summary is right. Casper doesn't really do anything wrong. And if you give the credit that he deserves to the parts of his games that are already so refined, he's got a long way to go. It's not like he's NHL ready right now, but he fits the archetype of what Eisman and the Red Wings look for. I think he's closer to the NHL than a lot of people, players in the or prospects ranked in the top 10. Think so? Yeah, I do. Um, I think I read a stat that he was second in SHL scoring for U18. He was third for U19 and like eighth for U20. So that's, you know, he might not produce a lot. I mean, he is playing in a men's league, but ranked amongst your peers to be that high is something to be it's it's worth something um it's not as if he's offensively deficient no no um but like you guys mentioned like his hands aren't all that special his shot is on not all that special mind you those are two things you can probably work with a skills coach and get figured out like there is a natural gift like some guys just have an amazing shot. It's just, they just do. And uh, Marco Casper does not, but it's not something that he couldn't improve. Um, so the fact that he does everything fairly well in a 200 foot game for being the age that he is playing in a men's league, like that's not nothing. Those are um, a lot of good, really good signs. Mind you, I don't think he'll project offensively to be a top six centerman. So I would, I think he's more an elite third line center. Okay. You know, the floor falls out. He's a fourth line center to me. So when I look at guys like any, well, I shouldn't say like anybody, like when I look at every player in the draft and you try to project 
one thing I was trying to do is I'm like, okay, who do I remember looking at before their draft year that had certain traits that check certain boxes and were lacking in certain areas? So I was trying to think back to, okay, who was a prospect that was ranked middle of the first round, fantastic state skater, ultra high compete, 200 foot game, hockey IQ, but not great hands, not good shot. And, you know, I'm looking around the NHL and I wasn't really coming up with a whole lot of good answers. I was looking too far. That was Dylan Larkin's profile. <laughs> oh, <God>. you know, <laughs> I'm not saying Casper's going to be Larkin. I was going to wrap this by saying I, I still, like, if given the choice, I'm not making the pick, and then you just hit me with a Dylan Larkin comp. Going into the, the – Dylan Larkin wasn't supposed to be Dylan Larkin at 15th overall. Yeah. No, like I, that, that's, that's, like, the one thing you have to remember. Dylan Larkin was not supposed to be Dylan Larkin. If he was, he wouldn't have gone 15th. He wouldn't have gone 15th. Exactly. Um you know, Larkin's hands and shot are still not uh, elite or, or at star level in the NHL, but he does everything else so phenomenally well. It doesn't have to be. Now, obviously, his hands have improved. Obviously, his shot has gotten a lot better. His shot has gotten a lot better. He finishes yeah. incredibly well. But to your to your point about saying, well, if Casper can, you know, improve his hands and his shot, which, you know, a good skills coach should be able to do, no problem. Th- that could be his ultimate upside, which I never put on Casper before but again if Marco Casper was supposed to be Dylan Larkin he wouldn't be going outside of the top five so he's not supposed to be Dylan Larkin but I'm saying if you want to take the ultimate upside view on Casper that's the comp that's the guy we've seen in the draft in the last 10 years who kind of had a similar profile now different programs different levels yada 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 like uh, Casper's playing no minutes in the SHL Larkin was playing behind Jack Eichel on the NTDP it's almost impossible to compare the two but, you know, that that's the most optimistic comp I can make. Yeah, I, and, and I think that's fair looking at the optimistic comp. The part that still holds me back from putting Casper, like if I had to make a short list, I'd say he's on it. He's not at the top. And for me, it's because I've seen enough from his overall game to be really comfortable with drafting him as a center. But I don't think Evan was wrong in saying, like, I think a lot of people – would peg him still as like a really good 3C. Or, you know, all goes right, then he can move up the lineup, but I would still put other players and the talent that they've displayed as more likely to be those kind of boom picks at eight. Like, yeah, because one of the arguments I have against Marco Casper um, actually was a video I saw from all places from Mike Tomlin yesterday, who gave, he had this fantastic interview and uh, just talking about coaching in general. And- Is that the one where he gaslighted everyone about step, stepping on the field? Maybe. But uh, one of the things he said, he goes, if a player is struggling with something, that's not on the player. That's on you as the coach. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he basically said, if you can't teach him, that's a you problem, not a player problem. Because of Marco Casper's already so refined as a prospect in his 200 foot game, there's not a lot you as a coach can teach him other than your system, because he's already responsible all over the ice. You're just trying to get his skill up. Whereas you have a guy I'll say a couple guys whose skill is obviously better than Marco Casper's, but they are not nearly as refined as Casper. If you can get a good coach to ref- to get their games as refined as Casper, their ceiling is infinitely high, not infinitely, but much higher than Casper's. But there's always the risk. They're not going to do that, whereas you already have that with Casper. So if you're going for the swing, you take the more skilled guy out of a few options and Tell your coach and your development team, 
Here's what you need to refine. Whereas with Casper, you can take him and go, we don't need to teach him a lot. You need to make him better. I, I think that's a really good point. And I had two counters. One is what you said. There's no guarantee that you can refine any given player. Um, and two is I'm worried that that is pigeonholing Casper because I think there might no, no, be I more know. offensive ceiling to his game. I mean, I just said he could be Larkin. So I don't think I'm pigeonholing him at this point. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I'm just saying if I thought he was going to be Larkin, he wouldn't be ranked outside of the top five. Yeah. So I, I, I think the summary here is We've been flip-flopping on Casper a little bit. Probably came in too low to start. Where I've landed personally is I think he should be in the mix. You can't hate the pick if Detroit takes him. Um, but is he my first choice on like a short, short list? For me, no. But he's in. He he's there. You can see his name on the list. Well, where, the red, where the Red Wings are in the draft, there's so many guys that I think they would have interest in and there will be one or two that you thought would be in the five six area that's gonna fall yeah for sure so there's gonna be somebody sitting there and you're like this is the obvious pick so i was i was talking about this before we started recording but i finally yeah. i got i finally got my first round of my rankings hammered out at least like my preliminary wrist like i've got a list on paper that i'm like as of this moment these are my rankings do you know what pick I made it to before I said, yeah, this is where I'm at. I'd actually be surprised if the Red Wings took this guy. Evan wasn't listening to you, so I'm going to make him guess. Okay. What? What was the so question? So I, I put my list from- No, no, no. Only, yeah. only 10 seconds back. Okay. What number in my rankings do you think I got to before I thought, okay, I'd actually be surprised if this is where the Red Wing- This is a guy the Red Wings picked at eight. Where was Brad Lambert? <laughs> it was after him. Oh, okay. I'll say- Hmm. I'll say 19. 23. Oh, I was going to say 21. Everybody in my top 22, I'm like, yeah, I can see it. I can absolutely see it. And I wouldn't be shocked. Like for transparency, 22 on my list, just so you can kind of see where my mindset is at, was Owen Pickering. Yeah. yeah and would you be shocked if they took Owen Pickering at eight? No, I'd be kind of happy. I like so I like his game, but yeah. that would be shocking. That would be shocking. Moritz Sutter has taught us enough. I'm no longer going to be shocked. Well, I have Owen Pickering rated lower than where I had Mort Sider rated. So, yeah. so uh, let us know what you think about Marco Casper in the comments below, wherever there's, I don't know, sometimes there's comments, reply on Twitter, you know, egg Evan's house, whatever it is. I'll give you his address. I'm crazy. I don't care. Uh, and uh, we'll see where it goes. The next one will will probably also be a pretty interesting and hot topic as, as well. I oh, everyone from here on out is going to be because we're now in our grouping of these are kind of who we want the Red Wings to pick, and we think there's a reasonable chance they'll actually pick. So we're going to talk about them in great detail. Yeah. It's going to be two hours on Gleb Trick is off. No, I'm kidding. But maybe not. I started looking at my deep sleepers today Oh, in a meeting because I was so goddamn bored. Perfect. Thank you to that meeting. There's some very interesting players who are outside their top 100 rank. In the main draft profile episode, we'll have an Evans deep sleepers. Well, you'll have to remind me because I left it open on my work computer and I don't remember a single name. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Uh, before we move on to talk about NHL news, I uh, first want to let everyone know uh, we're doing a jersey giveaway right now to celebrate Mo Sider's Calder win. It's on Twitter. Uh, just go to uh, our Twitter account at Winged Wheel Pod, and you can see it right there. Uh, how to enter? Just it's one of those basic follow, retweet, like kind of things. And then uh, if you're a Patreon supporter, you're automatically entered, and you can enter twice. And then if we do hit a stretch goal of followers, there will be a second jersey added. So everyone should have a cider jersey. 
So in case any of you like free stuff, go do that. The rest of the NHL awards, aside uh, from Keenan Thompson dunking on the Maple Leafs as it cut out, which was hysterical. Um, let's talk about the rest of the awards. We'll start with the Hart Trophy. No, no, no. We're starting with the most awkward part of the award ceremony. I'm not letting this one slide. Hmm. Keenan Thompson did a two, three-minute bit on trick shots right before the Calder Trophy. Okay? I thought Sider was a slam dunk for the Calder until they did that. I'm like, there's no way there's no way they're kind of giving uh Trevor Zegers like a soft two and a half, three minutes here and then not giving him the award. Like that's a little weird. I'm glad they didn't give him the award, but that's that's weird, right? I I know what you mean. I think that was just like what is most accessible for a non-hockey audience, and that's what Keenan Thompson was putting out there. Sure. And I and the bit in and of itself wasn't good. Um, but if you were going to do it, maybe that wasn't the moment for it. If uh, Zegers wasn't winning the award that immediately followed, eh. but he was nominated for. Yeah, that's fine. I don't mind. We're all big. Trends. Like, hey, as a Red Wings fan, I'm a big fan of dunking on Zegers that way. But for, you know, the rest of the world, eh, weird. It did make people nervous. Okay, uh, voting. We talked about another automatic award in terms of how much of a slam dunk it was. Uh, Igor Shosturkin takes a Vesna as the best goalie in the NHL. He had all but three, three first place votes, and those went to Frederick Anderson, Vasilevsky, and Sorokin. Which, like, that's yeah, fine. I don't Sorokin. I think Sorokin is criminally underrated, but first place Vesna. Yeah, there, what happened? One of the really bad GMs in the NHL who just voted for the Russian in New York and didn't know there was two of them. <laughs> There's two New York teams? Like, legit. Just I wait say, till you hear about New Jersey. Oh. I say that as a joke, but honestly, I'm not ruling it out. Um, When it's so few, like, he was further down the list. He came sixth in voting. Yeah, he, was, he had a legitimately great season. But nowhere near Vesna winner no. good, but like a great season. Shesterkin's uh, speech was so endearing. Like gets up there and is is saying, sorry, my English bad. And just does his best on his speech. And then like just casually breaks out at the end that his, uh, him and his, I think, wife are expecting. I'm like, man, that's nice. You're happy for him. Expecting what? A baby. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the worst part is, I don't know whether that was a bit. Same. <laughs> <laughs> and don't tell us. I'm not going to. Should have known that. Uh, we know how the Calder Trophy voting shook out. Bless whoever gave Ned that last place vote, that fifth place vote, just to get him on the list. That was a, we're sorry what you went through this year. The Red Wings with Cider first, Raymond fourth, and Ned fifth, or last, sorry, tied for 14th with one fifth place vote. Three rookies on the board for Calder voting. Man. I'm uh it it's a good time to be a Red Wings fan. And we were talking about it today in the chat. Like Lucas Raymond, even though he cooled off, still had like a Calder worthy season, a Calder finalist worthy season, even if you want to break it down. It just so happens that this season also had Cider, Zegris, and Bunting. Like, let's say Bunting was, you know, only one thousand years older than he is now, which is I don't know how many thousand it is. Like, let's say Bunting isn't in the picture. Raymond is undeniably a finalist. He, by ma the math dictates, he would have been a finalist if yeah. one of the three ahead of him wasn't there. And don't dictate or uh, don't discount Jeremy Swayman either, who came fifth. I think it's harder. It's, I don't want to say it's hard for goalies to excel um, in this vote, but he, I think, got a, a 
the kind of vote that uh, he deserves. It was nice to see him get some re- recognition. Lundell as well, and Matt Boldy. Like if he had played a full season, I think we'd see him way higher up the board. Where's Cole Caulfield on the list? He got votes. Oh yeah, yeah. Cole Caulfield was ninth on the list. He got a third place vote, uh, four, six fourth place votes, and eight fifth place votes, which I think is he was yeah. very worthy of. Yep. Shout out to the four meat sticks that put cider fourth on their ballot. Just so stupid. Like just you can look up the PW or the PA. The Professional Hockey Writers Association puts it all out. They made it all public today. So we know the four meat sticks that did it. Uh, Two of them were not surprising. It was just guys who are generally very bad at their job. And the other two were, one of them was very surprising. Yeah. And it was, you know, I can understand how you can see how certain people are are more worthy or not. But even if you don't have cider first, like wrong, but second, I don't really, can't justify much lower than second. Uh, Anyhow, Ted Lindsay Award, wherein the players vote for who they view as the MVP. Ron Jeremy won that, right? <laughs> Just by by the thumbnail I'm looking at. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Austin Matthews won that one with the finalists Roman Yossi and Connor McDavid. So Ro- Ro- Roman Yossi got a ton of recognition this year. Uh, but no trophies. No trophies. Hang the banner, Nashville. Norris Trophy. Interesting one. The player who won, Kale McCarr, did not have the most first place votes. That was very surprising. Kale McCarr with 1,631 points, 92 first place votes, and 98 second place votes against Roman Yossi with 1,606 points, 98 first place votes, and only 76 second place votes. So it seemed like the MO on Rossi was you either think he is the number one defenseman in the league or... Not like further down the list, like not the runner up for the most part. And that's why Makar won. But Roman Yossi made it very, very close. Yeah, that was uh, the most fascinating vote of the evening. That was pretty much the only award where going into the night, I wasn't sure who was going to win. Not that I agreed with everybody who did win, but like just the way the winds were blowing, you, you could tell. Like, I don't think anybody was surprised that Matthews won the awards that he did. Everybody figured Sider, Shesterkin, et cetera. Like nothing came out of left field, but that was a coin flip. It's not going to be McCarr's last. No, it's probably one of might not be his him. last award this month. No. Um, Roman Yossi, man, the season he had, if he broke a hundred points, would that have changed the narrative for voters? I think it probably would have moved him moved enough up where he would have won it. But it's kind of fun to see really close votes like that. And I, some people were pissed, like obviously uh, Predators fans mostly. They were mad at um, Yossi losing even though he had more first place votes. But that's the point of the, the voting system. I kind of like it. There were guys who left Yossi off their ballot entirely. Yeah. Yeah. So Hart Trophy voting. Austin Matthews wins. It was pretty clear. 1,630 points. Connor McDavid second with 1111 and Shesterkin third at 738 but Austin Matthews won I think as a lot of people expected with how that one yeah. went and you know what you put up 60 goals you had the season that Matthews did especially coming off a wrist injury especially not playing a full season you can't deny that story is worthy of the MVP I will say I saw a lot of really really compelling cases for both Shesterkin and McDavid so here's my case for McDavid. So I think we can all agree that McDavid didn't win because it wasn't his best year. So, you know, you give it to Matthews who had his best year. And I think everybody agrees that Connor McDavid is the best hockey player on the planet, hands down. No argument there, but 
you could argue Matthews had a better season. So yeah, that's the point of the award, right? Except the best player on the planet set a career high in goals, assists, and points. Had his statistical best season of his career. He's he's got LeBron syndrome. Should have scored sixty goals then. So yeah. Bad. So if not that Matthews didn't deserve it, it was very very close. But like generally, there is such a thing as voter fatigue. There is such a thing as a narrative for awards. So and it, it doesn't always go to the most deserving because you know I'll, I'll die my I'll die in the hill of Eric Carlson should have won that Norris every year until he had his Achilles heel snapped. Um, but they gave it to Doughty for he was due, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I get McDavid's shortened season was crazy. And had it been an 82-game season, he would have had these numbers, if not a little better. But it's just it's worth keeping in the back of your mind in award season that, you know, you can, you can get lost in the narrative. Now, that being said, Matthew scored 60 goals, had a crazy season. I can absolutely justify him winning. But, you know, and if you want to talk about the definition of the award, was there anybody more valuable to their team this year than Igor Shesterkin? Yeah, they, right. They, so the difference he made made on the ice, and you saw it in the playoffs too. Like that's not an Eastern yeah. Conference final team that takes Tampa to six without no. Shesterkin. No, they they were outplayed in every round they were in in the playoffs, and they got within two games of the Cup final. <laughs> and he was just as good, if not better, in the regular season. So yeah, okay. What was it? His uh, save percentage was the seventh highest in league history. He was up there, and you're just like in a. In a season with prolific goal scoring, that is through the roof. To the like, Batman has wet dreams about how much scoring there is this year, and he does that in net. Yeah. It is. I don't want to say a shame. This is the the Should only have scored sixty goals. Then, oh my god! <laughs> Listen, I I think if I could reach your head, I would club you. My 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 ultimate point being, I think the three finalists for the heart were the correct three. Yeah. I and I think you could make an argument to put them in any order. Yeah. Okay. Um, some news in the world of NHL coaching, uh, Pete DeBoer hired in Dallas. Shouldn't be a surprise. It's been rumored for some time. The NHL coaching circle is 40 guys on recycle mode. Well, no, don't say that. Never mind. Andrew Burnett, who led the Florida Panthers on an interim basis to a president's trophy. He was too new. He had to go. Well, he got firmly outcoached in the playoffs. Like that team had no identity and did nothing that they should have done in the he playoffs. He was too new. He had to go. And he's out. And uh, Paul Maurice is in in Florida. So ah, he- fresh, fresh blood. <laughs> For him. My God, imagine going from Winnipeg to Florida weather. Oh, that is the dream. That's like, that's actually what a lot of people from Winnipeg do. That's <laughs> so, the dream. Well, more Ontario, but yeah, a lot of snowbirds go down there. So he's going to, he's going to have a lot of well, Canadians down there with him. There would be more snowbirds that would leave Winnipeg, but they don't have the airport to get out. <laughs> <laughs> Did to drive. To drive 48 hours just to get to a prop plane to take to an airport. Yeah. That's in the top five of hockey memes, right? That's got to be one of their best it, bits. It's up there. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't, okay. First of all, I can't fault Florida for bringing in Paul Maurice. I think you have that core that you do. You have the players you do and you got to the playoffs they and you did nothing. Jack Adams finalist as a coach. Yeah. Oh, I can fault them for it. I like Paul Maurice more than most. It would seem based on the reaction oh my on God. Twitter today. Yeah. I, I didn't know there was a Paul Maurice hate club. Yeah. Everyone's in it that. except for people in this room. Like, yeah. I don't think Paul Maurice is anything special as a coach, but I didn't think he was one of the worst coaches in the NHL. I thought he was average to good. Um, I also thought the same thing of Andrew Burnett, who, you know, as a more inexperienced coach, I feel like he had more room to grow. How many games so, did Joel Quenville coach this year? Like 10? 
he didn't it's make very it very far. Yeah. yeah. So like it's it's not to say he just got hand. Well, I mean, yeah, he did get handed this team, but he had like we've seen great teams yeah. have terrible seasons. So it's not like he didn't do a great job in the regular season. He you could just tell he was outmatched and outcoached in the playoffs, and he made no changes in terms of deployment and matchups, and he did nothing to change that team. But that's he's new. He's an interim coach. Yeah, like, he's new. I don't know. It's also hard for coaches to not like he had another year left on his contract, but that's as an assistant coach, right? Like not as a head coach. These are these guys are new to the job. You want to give them the room to grow, but at the same time, they're in win now mode. They're in what you you have Huberto putting up a hundred points right now. You have Barkov playing how he is right now. You have well, the goaltending is still a question, which for that much, I don't think the goaltending was bad. But you, you have to be better. You're right. You have to be better now. So I can see it. I can't fault them for it, but I also can't fault people who do fault them for it. Like. It's shitty for Brunette, and I, I, it's rumored that he wants out now, which I don't blame him. Well, they offered him like a subs- quote unquote substantial role within the organization. I w- Chicago's interested, and if they bring him in, that's an automatic. Yeah, you go there. I would if my work f- fired me, and then was like, but you could have this job instead. That's not what you want. Like I would tell them, like shove it up their ass. <laughs> 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 that's staying that's not getting okay, clipped okay, out that's good, it. Okay. yeah 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 like, only because you were funny about it oh uh, okay <laughs> yeah i don't know i just it's it's really hot in the studio right now so i think it's just, yeah i'm going crazy in here you know what the only reason i haven't kicked the ac on is because you're still wearing that damn long sleeve free ad man <laughs> that's true <laughs> hey tune into the winged wheel podcast to find out all about the winged wheel podcast that's <laughs> They're in win now mode. You know, you you buy at the deadline. You're doing a, a move on the coach. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, well, you can link this to one of the points of their downfall. Yeah. Very small tangent just on Florida while we're at it. Did they have one of the all-time worst trade seasons in NHL history? How much they paid? They got rid of their – they don't have their first-round pick for the next three years and more picks and prospects beyond that and didn't get out of the second round. Well, the Ben Sherratt trade made no sense to anyone who was going to get Ben yeah. Sherratt. That one made zero sense. Yeah, we knew someone was going to absolutely screw themselves in that one, and it just happened to be Florida. I thought Drew was quite quite decent in, I like in Florida. And, you know, I will never fault a team for trying to go for it when they're having a President's Trophy-type season. And I thought he was a good fit there. Yeah. I don't even know if they're going to be able to re-sign him. If I, I haven't heard anything about that recently. They'll but have- I thought he was... He was great. He, he was good. He was as as advertised. I, I mean, like they gave away Vitrano though to make cap space, but they yeah. they dumped Vitrano, which was tough. And they got Sam Reinhardt, who I think is still under contract, who had a great season for them. But they lost three first round picks, Devin Levi, um, Owen Tippett, and a couple other pieces, and didn't get out of the second round. Again, I I'm a firm believer. Hey, go for it when you're a Presidents Trophy winner. So I, I don't fault them for doing it, but just the way it blew up on them because even next year if if they're on pace to be a cup favorite again what assets do they have left to trade they can't go all in on the next deadline because they don't have the pieces to they're yet they have to win now they really truly have to okay uh very quick update on the cup finals and then we'll take a look at some uh betting odds the stanley cup finals we talked about two nothing after that seven nothing thumping 
from Colorado. They went up 2-0 in the series. Tampa Bay came back the very next game. Tampa Bay came back the next game, and was it a 7-0 t- thumping? No, uh, but it was, you know, one hell of a beatdown in terms of, you know, what was the final score? 6-2 Col- or Tampa Bay over Colorado? That's enough. Which, if you think Tampa Bay felt bad about 7-0, Colorado felt just as bad about 6-2. And that's what we talked about. Most other teams in the NHL, yeah, you you lose 7-0, you're not betting on them to win game three. But Tampa Bay, Vasilevsky, this, this team... They are the ones to do it, which is why you can't necessarily bet against them. And they're currently up two to one in the uh, with five minutes left in the second to uh, start game four. So we could have a series on our hands. Um, and on that note, let's jump into this segment sponsored by sponsored by the FanDuel Sportsbook, where we're going to take a look at some betting odds uh, across the NHL. So about the Stanley Cup playoffs and we have an NHL draft betting odd to to look at now. So um why don't we start with this series? We talked before about how the, you know, not the the more the favorited outcome was a sweep, and within one game that went out the window. If you took that bet, you're an idiot. You're looking at Tampa Bay, and you're saying, okay, you just got some thump seven nothing. That sucks, and you've you've looked out class the first two games, but still, you now have the opportunity for those kind of long odds. Again, for the Tampa Bay Lightning, you kind of have to take a look at that, right? If Florida makes no adjustments to their game plan and deployments on the spectrum. Tampa Bay is the exact opposite, I think. They, they they start to figure out other teams and figure out a way to win. So the fact that people thought that they would get swept is just ridiculous. Yeah, you can't really... I don't know. I... I, I I never saw the sweep as happening. I still stand by it where I think the it was like a plus 550 where it was, you know, Tampa Bay wins, Colorado wins, Tampa Bay wins again to in game five, and then Colorado takes in game six. That is where I would put, or plus 1550, that's where I'd put my money. Tampa Bay is Javier Bardem from No Country for Old Men. You can't rattle them, and they're going to find a way to kill you at least once. <laughs> Great movie. Yeah, wild, like, wild reference. Oh yeah, but it it you can't tell me it doesn't fit. So as of right now, coming into that game, Tampa Bay was a plus one seventy five, Colorado minus two twenty. Let's say Tampa Bay holds on to this win, and this series goes two two. You have an opportunity for Tampa Bay at plus one seventy five. I don't even think they're necessarily the favorite over Colorado, even if they do win. But man, when do you get the opportunity for Tampa Bay at plus one seventy five? I mean, it's been a while since they've come back from an 0-2 series deficit to win a series. Ah, that's funny. I had to think about that for a second. It, was, New York, it was last series. The New York Rangers are not the Colorado. I mean. No, I know. But, but I mean, kind of the inverse though, right? Phenomenal goaltending, but they don't, their forward, their skaters don't do what Colorado does. Colorado has decent goaltending, but Kemper got chased. Francois came in last game. Um this series could turn upside down. If Braden Point factors in, which I know they've been really working at, that could change thing. If Makar, McKinnon, plus Landis Cog, Rantanen. Yeah. Taze, Kadri, Nachushkin. Kadri, who's in? Yeah. Might not be able to shoot, but he's playing. An interesting series. I, as someone who is with Brad, who's team Meteor, uh, in general, actually, I'm I'm I think I'm Team Avalanche now after seeing the abomination of a poutine that the Tampa Bay Lightning put out there. You could have given me minus ten thousand odds, 
when I saw the picture of that, <laughs> I would have bet my life savings that there was going to be a Ryan Hanna tweet about it. Thank was you. there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't check, so. I have a brand. Okay, let's take a look at the NHL draft here. A long time ago, by that I mean like a couple weeks ago, we would have said it was an absolute slam dunk that Shane Wright was going first overall. I still think that's what the Habs should do. I would still probably bet that that's what they will do. That's a minus 950 favorite. Uri Slavkovsky is plus 500, and Uri Slavkovsky is in the conversation. Ken Hughes, the GM of the Montreal Canadiens, has a son who plays in the States. He has played many international tournaments (laughs) with Logan Cooley. That family is going to know Logan Cooley really well, who many believe has the highest ceiling of any prospect in this draft. Now, I don't think Montreal is going to draft Logan Cooley. But I don't think it's crazy if they do. And his odds have to be pretty good on the betting line. Plus 1,700. I don't think I'm going as deep as Cooley. I could see it. I could see it. I think I think Wright's the pick. But I think it's a coin flip if they don't go right between Slavkovsky and Cooley. Do we, okay, but if they're going to take Cooley, then they would take Wright. No, you want the centerman or do you want the dynamic it, it player depends, that Slavkovsky It depends how be. they want to build their team. Because you know how we always talk about Steve Eisman has a type? We don't know Kent Hughes' type yet. Shane Wright doesn't skate like Logan Cooley. Shane Wright doesn't have the pace that Logan Cooley has. Now, Shane Wright is much better than Logan Cooley in a lot of other ways. But if, if Montreal is looking for that ultra-fast, like, go-go-go type team, Cooley, Cooley would be their guy. Now, Slavkovsky comes in if they're looking for, you know, We've already got a lot of smallish players. We need more size. We need some power. Slavkovsky's the only guy on the board that fits that bill for them. Whereas if you're looking for the centers, skilled centers, it's a toss-up between Wright and Cooley, obviously leaning towards Wright. But Hughes is going to be familiar with Cooley, and Slavkovsky fits a bill of something they really don't have on that team right now. Okay. Uh, thank you to the FanDuel Sportsbook for sponsoring that segment. That was the last one of the season. Uh, hope you all enjoyed it. Um, and we'll see how that shakes out. I hope, I hope, I hope that series goes to seven. I just want hockey to last as long as we can. I hope Montreal gives us maximum chaos. Oh, if Cutter Mont- Goche, first overall. <laughs> Eisman slams his fist on the table. Damn it. He's calling New Jersey. I will give you whatever you want for pick two. Yeah. Or if you uh, ask Twitter, is it Ina in a fourth? All right, let's yeah, jump. That'll get it then. Let's jump into overtime, which is brought to us on this midweek midweek episode of uh, the Winged Wheel Podcast by our Patreon supporters. Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast. If you want to join the Dub Dub Club, support the show. Uh, help us do things like continue our draft profiles uh, and episodes throughout the offseason. Celebrate more outsiders. Um, Calder Trophy win and all the good or, you know, less good, depending on how you feel about the show, things that we do. So thank you again to uh, all of our patrons. And let's start with a question from Hockey Town Racing Academy says, how long until Moritz Sider wins the Norris, the heart, American Idol, American Idol? Yeah, well, let's let's start with the Norris. Does Moritz Sider win a Norris in his career? Yes. Yes. When? Two and a half years over or under. Over. Over. I'll go the year 2026. Okay. Similar question, because no, uh, Sider didn't get any Norris votes this year, which I'm mildly surprised by. But considering Chris Tanev did? I think Chris Tanev had... Uh, I think Not a better season than Moritz Sider. Oh, 
Scott Campbell says Cider Norris votes next season. Yes or no? Yes. Maybe. The sophomore jinx is always seems to be a thing, but I'm hoping he's not one of the victims. Uh, Coyote season tickets in Tempe says, I'm getting the feeling that Nazar, Savoy, and Goche will go five through seven. If this pans out, one of the top two D-men will still be there along with Kemmel and Casper. In this scenario, I'd like to know what would Brad do? What does Ryan think Eisenman would do? And Evan's opinion of both Brad and Ryan's answers. Great job as always to each of you. Okay, Brad, what would you do? So you have- So I have your check or Nemich on the board there? Um, One of them, yeah. And my best forward would be Casper Kamel. Yeah. I'm taking the defenseman. What do I think Eisenman would do? I think that'd be a big wrench because I do think one of those, I don't think those defensemen will be there. I think I've hoped for it, but I don't think they will be. I still, I think they take the defenseman, but I think it's close between them and Casper. And what do you think about our answers? I don't think it's close. I think he takes one of those defensemen. And he runs to the podium. I think they're, their ceilings, I'll say it right now, they're better players than either of those two right now. He's, he's on the phone trading Phil Peronica as he's walking to the stage. Yeah. <laughs> he's got the cannon aimed at the sun. <laughs> uh, Jefferson Steelflex, which is a badass name, says, uh, I've heard there are whispers that the Flyers are trying to move Ivan Provorov, and it seems like they're planning to compete this year. What would you think about a trade involving Bertuzzi plus something like Fabry and a second for Provorov and Phillies 2022 or 2023 first? Oh, yeah. Oh. You, you are not getting a first <laughs> no, I in want, that no chance. I want that first so bad. I, 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 Bertuzzi plus Fabry and a second? That's a lot of value, though. For a potential top pairing defenseman and a first? I don't know. No After chance. the down year that Provorov had, I think they'd have a hard time selling him as a potential top pairing D-man. No, Detroit, they, they yeah. would. Eisenman would not pay that for a reclamation project, but and a first of a team that could have a lottery pick? Like, no chance. Like, don't get me wrong. I would happily trade for both of those things, but you are going to have to give up a heavy premium. And uh, Tyler Bertuzzi is a rental. Uh, Robbie Fabry on two rebuilt knees and a second round pick isn't going to do it. I think it's just the barrier of prying away that pick. I know we joke about Fletcher, but any GM with an ounce of sanity isn't going to trade away a first round pick very easily. I don't know though. Bertuzzi, I I don't think they're far off in terms of the pieces that would be involved, um, at least to, to start the conversation. This one from uh, Evan's film name, Havana Love, Love Saber, not necessarily film. They added a qualifier to that. It says, do you think Val Natushkin should be on the wings radar for this offseason? Or is this a situation like Bickle or Franzen where they've had a great year in the playoffs, earn a big payday, and then promptly return to prior form, never again reaching that elite play that earned them the raise? It's closer to that than being worth whatever he's about to get paid. I say I think they should stay out of this. That's for a team with cap space. That's for like a, a Toronto, but with cap space. That's who it would pay for Nachushkin. I I fully am on board with his body of work these playoffs, but looking at his entire career, I wouldn't be interested in the big, big, big payday he's going to get. If, if the and, Red Wings are closer to competing, then maybe. Yeah. And look at his supporting cast, and he's a winger. Like, no. Like, for what people are saying, he's going to get paid. If that market goes sideways and that's not what he ends up going for, sure, but it's not going to happen. 
Uh, Large, the prophet of the Towering Behemoth, says, Evening, lads. Pretty much all of the available coaches with NHL experience, but trots have been picked up in the radio silence, uh, if you or silencio stampa, if you will, is uh, compact from Eisman. With that in mind, do you think we are more likely to A, get trots, B, get Lalonde or Gru, or C, someone out of Europe? In which case, who? Most likely is probably Tamp- one of the Tampa connections. I think, yeah, if you know, pushing the chips onto one side of the table, it's towards Lalonde right now. So that's where I'm going. Uh, also, was the Fedorov cameo in the Cider video an Eisman troll job? I think that was a uh, Red Wings media team troll job. Also, like, it was a very nice message from, from Fedorov. He just seems like the happiest person alive. He's just cheery. He, they, need that, uh, they need that infectious optimism in the Red Wings dressing room. Just saying. He's, it's funny to see like an older version of the Fedorov that we watched growing up. He kind of hasn't changed, right? No. He's always been that way. Man, Izzy must have lost her damn mind when she saw that. <laughs> Probably had a Oh, she was, she was doing something because I remember seeing her feed, but she couldn't watch it live and she was yelling at everybody to shut the hell up. She was going <laughs> to watch it later. It was great theater. Um, okay. Why don't we uh, wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast? We're going to be back with you late on Sunday. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, Moritz Sider, congratulations on the Calder Trophy win. Red Wings fandom, congratulations on having something genuinely good to cheer about. Um, it means a lot to all of you or for all of you who support the show. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, we'd like to thank the sponsors of this episode, the FanDuel Sportsbook, uh, as well as uh, all of our listeners. Uh, I know a lot of you have left ratings for us recently wherever you listen to your podcast, and that makes a world of difference for us. And our name-level supporters on Patreon, of course, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Akefer, the Stay Fresh Cheese Bag, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver of the number 69, Crying Ryan Hannes, Banana Slam and Jamathong, Matthew M. Rice, uh, Brandon M., Br- Carl Brutanen and Aluski, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, Coyote Season Tickets in Tempe, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstem, DJ Denton, Dozen Tuesnit, Give Blood Fight, Probert, Greech, Helen was held back by Blashill, Hassam Al Qasem, I'd Leave My Wife for Cider, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Kalen Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Marcus, Matt McKay, Matthew Guess, Nicholas Fritz, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Sean Levine, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Zach Spring, uh, Sam Bankson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Adam Now I Finish Better Than Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landiscog, Ben Barron, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Evans Apparently Expensive Parking Garage, Evans Bingo Card, James Laporte, Jeremiah Dobo, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, J.M. Rhapsody, Josh Yelton, Justin in the Angry Mob, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Maximilian Cheesebags, our new corporate sponsor whose product is near as dear to my heart. They're called the Hair Club for Men and they do God's work. Thank you again, Reed. Papa Woody, Puck Norris, Revy DeLuca, Trevor Pevavar, Why Ryan Why, Zach McCann, a driving range superstar, and Z Grass is not always greener. Thank you all so much, and we'll talk to you Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.